tonight's subject matter is on call, or you could entitle, entitle it The Prepared Life. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you a sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in the synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. As Jesus is preparing his disciples to go out and minister, he first gives them an understanding of the environment in which they are going to encounter. In verse 16, he says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Uh, so there's, of course, his people, which are likened unto sheep. And then he says, but I'm sending you out and you're going to be facing people that are adversarial. So when we think about sheep and wolves, we think about, you know, what is one of the sheep's number one enemies? Well, it's a wolf. And uh, so he he's saying that at times when you're encountering people, when you're interacting with people, when you're interfacing with people, it's not always going to be easy peasy, lemon squeezy. There's going to be some friction at times. There's, there's going to be some opposition. There's going to be some pushback. But why is it so important that Jesus prepares them accordingly for this purpose? So that they would be prepared. And Jesus is saying that not so that we could vote whether we're going to follow him or not. They had already decided to follow Jesus. But so that they would be prepared to overcome the adversary. So that they wouldn't be shocked when they face resistance. So they wouldn't run when they faced resistance. But they would be prepared for the resistance. I believe that one of the greatest needs in all of our lives is to live prepared, to live with a sense of availability and to be on call. Uh, one of the jobs that I had many years ago uh, when Shar and I were in Denver was I worked for a property management company, and it was back when they had the little uh, belt pagers, and it, you know, twice a month I was on call. It just was the rotation of, of those that were in maintenance on the properties. And that meant anywhere at any time I could be called away from what I was doing and I had to be on property. So for those particular weeks, we just, Shar and I could make plans, but we understood those plans could be interrupted. Those, those plans were not set in stone. There was always a bit of flex that I had to have with my schedule. If we were at a Rockies game, in the middle of the Rockies game, if the buzzer went off, I had to leave. If we were out to eat, I'd have to leave. I had to be on the property within a certain amount of time, so I couldn't wander too far. And I think that that's a really good illustration and analogy for us as believers, is that we make plans and we live our lives, but we're always available. We're always on call. We live a prepared life. And we live in a society and in a culture where not everybody is going to give us a lot of that boys for who we are, what we believe, what we stand for, especially if your light is interrupting their darkness. 
Because some people love darkness and that's why they don't come to the light. Scripture clearly says that. Denzel Washington recently was quoted. He said, I'm sorry that the, uh, the light in me is bothering the devils in you. He's become really quite a spokesman and a representative, you know, for the kingdom of God. But here we are, once again, Jesus sharing, preparing, so that we could also be prepared to share. And he's saying this not to frighten us. He's saying this so that we would be aware of what we're involved with. I think that when you have something that's worth living for, you also have something worth sacrificing for. Because anything that's worth having is worth fighting for. And our faith is included in that. If our faith matters to us, it's worth fighting for. It's worth communicating. It's worth sharing. It, it's, we're not called to be silent witnesses. There's, there's times where our witness is in action. There's times when it's in word. They both work. It's not one at the exclusion of the other. There's times where God calls us to just be an example of a a believer. There's other times he calls us to defend the faith and to speak on his behalf and for his namesake. Regardless, regardless, the Lord is going to be with us. Amen. And that's the promise is that if they arrest you and they put you before the council, don't sweat it. At that moment, don't be concerned about anything because if you've lived a prepared life at that moment, God will bring up out of you what you have deposited in you. I want to say that again. At that moment, if you have been consistent and devoted to Jesus, there is a deposit in you. And at that moment, what you have put in, God will make sure you have the ability to speak. We see a couple of examples of this um, that uh, our first we're going to look at is is the life of David. But let me make one more statement in verse 16. Therefore, he said, behold or look or be prepared. I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Here's, here's the, what preparation does. Preparation gives us the wisdom to know what to do and how to do it. And if he's sending us out as sheep in the midst of the of a volatile culture and he knows it's countercultural to Christ and to the kingdom of God, then you're you're walking in a sense in a landmine, but you're going to have the wisdom to navigate it. You're going to have an understanding of what to say, how to say it, when to say it, where to go and what to do, because. You're available. Your availability is a key. And I believe that prayer is a part of that. All right. First Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel. If you go back to the Old Testament. First Samuel chapter 17. One of the most beloved stories in all of Scripture. So many truths in this account of David and Goliath. I want to remind you in verse 32 that we're going to be reading here in a moment, though, verse uh, 47 and 45 through 47. But in verse 32, 
David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now, David didn't go there to fight, correct? We all have read this, hopefully. But if you haven't, let me just give you a quick update that David was not qualified to be in the army yet. He wasn't of age. And so his older brothers were, but the families of those that were enlisted brought supplies to their family or their loved ones while they were on the battlefield. And so part of the responsibility was for Jesse to give David some food occasionally, and he would take it to his brothers who were fighting. Well, in this particular case, he shows up, and it was the time of day that Goliath got up and began to give his accusations and threats against the people. And And David saw the people respond, and they all ran, and and they were all fearful, and no one was willing to step up and address uh, this this uncircumcised Philistine. And, and David and Saul connected uh, because David said, you know, there's a cause here, and someone should do something about this. And, and next thing you know, he's ushered into the king's tent, and uh, this conversation takes place. And David says, hey, I, I don't really, you know, want you to be concerned about it, that... Uh, I'll go ahead and and handle this situation. And then we see in verse 45 through 47, uh, this is his response to the threats of of Goliath. And then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day... I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. So David knew that the battle was real. He also knew that the weapons were real. He identified that you're coming at me with quite the armory, but... I'm coming at at you with something that's greater than just physical swords and shields. I'm coming at you in faith, and I'm coming at you in faith in the name of the Lord. And uh, he ran to the battle, and of course we know the end is that God wrought a great victory, and the people rejoiced and chased the Philistines all the way back to their borders. And the people sang and celebrated, and uh, David uh, begin to get the reputation of a leader and uh, of someone who would step up to the plate and someone who was willing uh, not to back down when uh, the people of God were threatened. And he was a witness for the kingdom of God. Any of the other soldiers could have do this, but what does this tell me about David in light of our subject matter? David's availability was greater than his ability. He was on call. He didn't go there for that purpose. But during the course of his interaction with the enemies of God, he made himself available. And God supplied the ability. What did God say that he would bless? What we put our hand to. When does the blessing show up? When we put our hand to something, just be available to put your hand to something. The ability will take care of itself. David lived a prepared life. David already had a testimony 
of God using him? Of God working miraculously in him? Is that true? So he drew upon those former situations and he knew his God was able. It was his confidence. He had assurance. But his confidence and assurance was not in a sword or a javelin or a spear. It wasn't even in the stone that he put in the slingshot. David was quite aware that that was not sufficient to take care of the giant. I come at you in the name of the God of Israel, the one you've defiled. David fought the right battle. He won a victory because he went in faith. It wasn't a physical battle, and David knew that. And David took a step, and God took it from there. So many times we're waiting for all the conditions to be right, then we'll step out. The conditions will never always be right. That's not the world we live in. But if we'll take a step of faith, we'll live a prepared life, we'll present ourselves as a living sacrifice before God, our availability allows his ability to manifest. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. The Lord your God is with you. You may not know how or when, but I like the way the song goes. God will do it again. He'll do it again. One more example, Acts, if you would, chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And let's begin in the first verse. And Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they all knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened unto him. So Peter and John, not to over-exasperate the point, never imagined on their way to to the afternoon prayer time that on that particular day, God would use them to minister to someone in a way that they could walk and leap and praise God. It it wasn't even a thought. They were conversing probably like you do when you're coming to church or when you're going to work or when you're going to the market with someone or, or you're going for a walk or you're just in your neighborhood. But the availability of these two men is what made this happen. They lived ready. They were on call They already had an idea. We're going to prayer from there. We maybe 
go and have coffee time and maybe get a strutzel or a strudel or something. We're not quite sure what they were planning for the rest of their day. But God, because of their availability, used them to minister to someone. Our availability means much more than our ability. I'm going to keep saying that because so many times we don't make ourselves available because we don't think we're able. And that's the whole point. We're not. Let's get the point right. We're not able in and of ourselves. But he supplies the power. He supplies the wisdom. You're among wolves. Don't worry about the wolves. Keep your eyes on the shepherd. Your sheep, keep your eyes on the shepherd. Don't be concerned about the wolves. Don't be concerned about what to say. If something happens where you have to testify for the Lord, if you've been spending time with the Lord, you have a testimony. Your testimony will take care of itself. Amen? Your testimony is your story. You don't have to make it up. It's your story. If your story is real between you and Jesus, it's not something that you have to muster up in the moment. You may be going and doing an errand for somebody, just being obedient, just being a good employee. And along the way, you enter into a situation where the enemy needs to just be shut down. At that moment, don't fear the size of the enemy. Fear God. Live for God. Serve God. Don't get caught up in all the armory they have, all the weaponry, all the physical abilities. No one is bigger than you and God together. You make a majority. You may be coming to church one day, and in the midst of coming to church, God could use you in a glorious way to minister, to encourage, to bless, to bring life to another individual. It may not have even been on your radar. You may have felt dry as cracker juice, and that's pretty dry. And in the midst of coming, God is not asking you to feel a certain way. He's asking you to be available to him. Be on call. Be on call. Be willing to be interrupted. Be willing to let your plans, you know, go to the wayside. Be willing to go and do and say, because God does miracles changes life, including yours when you do. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.